Hey, everybody. So we at the podcast are super aware of the horrific allegations that have been made against Chris Noth. And while we're not going to be discussing them today during our episode, we will definitely be following the situation as it unfolds. But uh, in the meantime, here is our dissection of episode four of And Just Like That. I'm Phil Mutz, VP of News and Entertainment at PureWow. And I'm Dara Katz, Executive Editor at PureWow. We are the hosts of And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast. Where we react, converse, spill the tea, and get carried, sorry, away on the new Sex and the City season. Now is a good time to tell you that there will obviously be spoilers. So join us as we revisit and relive Sex and the City. Okay, Phil, episode four of And Just Like That. How you feeling? Oh my gosh, Dara. Uh, I feel good and I feel bad. Is that okay? Is that allowed? Totally. There's some cognitive dissonance happening with me. I'm loving certain moments. Like, for instance, I loved the return of Carrie, her hair, her fashion. And I hated a lot of the, again, boring exposition bullshit happening. Yeah, I I think this was, especially after last week when, you know, you and I had a little bit of debate about whether or not we were feeling it. uh, I think I went into it being like, okay, I'm not going to just automatically decide I'm going to like this episode just because I love Sex and the City. And I still think I enjoyed watching it. I do. Um, But I found a lot more problems in the episode. And I don't know if that was as a result or if just episode four was just a problem-filled episode. Either way... I have a lot to talk about today. Okay, so recap the episode for us quickly, please. Oh my gosh. Yeah. As quickly as possible. Okay. So, because I watched it twice. Me too. I love that. We're we're prepared. We're ready to talk about this. (laughs) Okay. So, first, we get a four minute montage about coffee and a colonoscopy. Carrie decides to sell the apartment. Enter new BFF, Seema. Charlotte has an epiphany about the lack of diversity in her friend circle, even though we all knew this about her from back in the 90s. Miranda fights back tears about the path not taken on a dinner date with her teacher. Carrie puts Biggs' ashes in her shoe closet. And, of course, Stanford, a.k.a. actor Willie Garson, gets his final goodbye. Okay, so that's the recap. A lot happened, but not that many major events happened. What stands out most for you in episode four here? Um, I didn't know that if you have plans on a Thursday night, you can't get a colonoscopy the next morning. That seemed crazy. Never, never delay your colonoscopy. Okay, this might always get. I it. think that's important. This is the uh, the health message here. But I I will say, as someone who I know this is too much information, who had a colonoscopy in 2021 because it was just such a fabulous year, uh, I will say you absolutely cannot have a dinner party the night before. Uh, so. Fun fact. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, because of the juice you have to drink? Oh, it's just, uh, please, let's talk about this on the podcast. Um, Yes, absolutely. Harry could not have gone to that dinner party. Charlotte could have hosted one alone, but no way. Absolutely not. Honestly, I would have preferred it. I, hot take, I don't like Harry. Like ever or just in this new reboot? I, okay. I think because he was in Californication as this like disgusting sex addict Mm. um no offense to sex addicts um i just thought he was a gross character and i can't stop seeing that when i see him yeah i think that's fair uh and now i can't stop seeing colonoscopies which we heard the word colonoscopy four times in the first four minutes of this episode so that's um that's fun um but i i didn't love so speaking of the things i didn't love i didn't love that whole storyline this week that uh there were there were positive. Let's just talk about know, it. Oh my god! Like the the Charlotte and Harry's stuff, but it's all Charlotte. It's all Charlotte's fault. But what is going on? Like I understand 
they're addressing head on the fact that <laughs> you can see me. I don't know if everybody, obviously everybody can't see me, but my hands are on my head because I it just hurts. Uh, so obviously they're trying to head on address the fact that the first show, her friend circle and everybody were all white. Like I get it. Like that's what they're trying to address. And they're trying to address it by having Charlotte have a realization about this. <sighs> But it, I, right. I at the know. cost, at the cost of the black characters, I think, look, I'm a white woman. It is hard for me to, you know, really solve this storyline from my perspective. But and, and I, I was trying to think about how they could have done this better. But then again, you would just be. So what happened was they gave Charlotte the storyline of dealing with having a very vanilla group of friends Um I wouldn't have wanted to see LTW have to deal with that because to make that her storyline put so much of that, like, again, teaching onto the person of color mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it's just not fair and it's honestly, like, boring to watch. Um, so I don't know what the solution would have been. Maybe not that storyline. Like, let's just see these characters exist right, right. with, like, their nuanced flaws and, and I, I think this comes back to what we kind of talked about last week, where we we were saying, like, they're giving us the start of a lot of storylines instead of us jumping in. Like, Charlotte could have had this realization two years prior to this revival happening. You know what I mean? Like, she could have addressed right. this in her own life. We didn't have to, like, see it play out. I mean, I don't know which is more interesting. I, I don't think it was what we just saw. Um, but this way, it could have been addressed, and it just exists. Um I don't know. Yeah, why aren't we seeing the, like, maybe LTW and Charlotte actually met each other because Charlotte helped do some organ, like, she's a great organizer. Maybe she did something to raise money for mutual aid in her neighborhood or something like that. But instead, it's just, it just feels a little outdated. That said, I did love the art. I love seeing the art in LTW's home. 100% agree about the art. And I also loved that we got that, well, okay, so I love hated this moment. So I loved that we get Charlotte going back to her art days where she gets to like correct the mother-in-law and be like, actually LTW is uh made wonderful investments. And she points and I love that she's knowledgeable about all these black artists. It's so great um, that we get that moment. But from then Charlotte. to just say Zadie Smith, it's like ruining yeah. that moment of Charlotte actually knowing about black art in America, I guess. Like, and I, and I, I kind of wish we had just had it not attached to impressing the mother-in-law because there's now mm-hmm. this moment where the mother-in-law only gives her daughter-in-law credit because the white woman said that the art was good. You know what I mean? Like, it feels really right. weird. I guess that that's... it mirrored LTW. Is that her name? Yes. yes. Um, Lisa Todd West, what, Wexley? Wex. Wesley? Um, she saved Charlotte from Deirdre in the, like, field trip storyline, like, which mm-hmm. was so stupid, by the way. Like, I why would there be an fancy animal shelter on city island have you been to city island is there a city island i've been in new york for 22 years and i have no idea what city island is you okay watch the movie city island with andy garcia city island is um off the bronx it's a tiny little like idyllic place with like really cool homes and it has great seafood restaurants and like italian restaurants and it's like a place that you have to decide to go to. Okay? okay. Okay. So this feels like a destination. I'm I'm happy to go to a destination. I am not happy, however, my friends know, like I don't leave the island of Manhattan very often. And I don't like to talk about it because that could be a whole other podcast and everybody will come for me. 
Brooklyn is the best, they will say. But I will make a point to go to City Island. This feels like a destination. I can I can do this. It's an offshoot of Manhattan. You can do okay. it. Okay. <laughs> it's close enough to Manhattan. I will make this like happen. Like you can take a bus there. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I love I love a good That's bus. That's it. Trip. I don't know why you would go see like an animal shelter there. Anyways, I just I was so bored with that like PTA type storyline of yeah. fighting. I don't like seeing women. I don't need to see women supporting other women in like the girl boss way. But I do want to see women not like I feel like like tear each other down over a field trip I don't know like yeah over stuff that feels so stereotypically makes moms makes mom a bad word Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know when they say mom group or oh she's like one of those moms I want to see moms more empowered than just like having connections for like kind of something like I feel like I could organize a trip to the botanic gardens I would absolutely go on that trip Dara let's let's go next week um, I let's go. I will say that there were a lot of parallels as a result, and which I think you kind of just pointed out. Which, of course, there was like she saves her then, and then Charlotte saves her later. Fine. They both bring each other the two coffees at the beginning, and then there's that conversation, which almost feels like giving Charlotte an out for not having any black friends. Where they sit down, and LTW is like, "Well, I thought you were going to be nervous that you were the only white person at my party," and I was like, "No, really? you just gave Charlotte." No, that's not how that works. Sorry, guys. Not how that works. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Ugh. It, 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 I didn't like. I didn't like that. So you don't like Harry. I don't like colonoscopies. We hated this storyline. Moving on. I do think that said, I love LTW. I oh think my she's gosh. the best actor besides SJP. I guess you have to have a three-letter name to be good on this show because so many people, I feel like they were reading off a teleprompter. I, I would a hundred percent agree with that. I love LTW, and I also love Seema, who was introduced in this episode. I think Seema is, I think they're, like, like setting up a spinoff for Seema. I think, like, she's there's going to be, like, an HBO, like, Seema in the city, and the city. Like, I think this is, like, I didn't love her first, like, bout of dialogue, but I really like the idea of a single, in her 50s, Indian woman who is a high-powered real estate agent. Like, when she rolled up in that car, I was like, Ooh, twist, like something fun is about to happen. And I didn't love the way it necessarily played out with Carrie the whole episode, but I really liked her a lot. So that actress... Sarita Chaudhry is her name. Sarita Chaudhry, stunning woman. I Mm -hmm. mean, the angles on her face. Oh my gosh. Wow, gorgeous. And I think they styled her beautifully and with um, her makeup too, because I've seen her in Homeland. Mm -hmm. And guess where else I've seen her, Phil? Where? In Brooklyn. Like just walking around? I think she lives around Williamsburg because we used to see her all the time at Marlowe and Sons. Well, all right. So you, you don't know what that is because you never go to Brooklyn. I d- but if you did, you would have seen Sarita around town. How did okay? you know I don't know what that is? Was it the blank stare on my face when you <laughs> said it? Could it have been that? I agree. She's fabulous. I want to stare at her all day. She helped bring the Cosmo back, mm-hmm. which you guys need to go to yes. um, purewow.com and read Catherine Gillen's not take down, take up of the Cosmo. Bring back the Cosmo. I love a good Cosmo. But when I saw everybody back in whatever year it was, like drinking them, I was like, well, now I don't want them anymore. But now that I see everyone drinking an espresso martini, I really want a Cosmo. I'm with you. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved Seema. I hated how patronizing Carrie was to her about dating. But I really appreciated that they actually went back to that and kind of fixed it because I've had those friendships where it's like, you're not really in a friendship until you get in a fight and resolve it. So that felt so true. That friendship feels 
the most authentic to me and organic and truthful in this show compared to any of the new friendships. Like Miranda and Naya Wallace is very... Oh, it's so weird. Like, why are you at dinner together? I mean, it's fine if, if one's a professor and one is the student, but why are you at dinner and the and the one is confessing their, like, IVF horror stories to the other? I, I don't know. It doesn't... That didn't... doesn't. I agree with you about Seema. I and really Miranda's liked... saying, I've been there, and it's like, no, no you haven't. your friend has been <laughs> like, there. You actually have a child. Please don't try to compare your experience, but... No, I agree. But I really did like uh, the come to Jesus moment with with Seema and Carrie at the end. Um, even though it came courtesy of the broken photo, which I <laughs> that must... Was, I wrote in my notes, deus ex machina. Like, I was like, <laughs> is it going to be used to do something to sol- to find another picture of another dog, big hat that never told Carrie about? You know how, like... It's such a trope in storytelling to like find a hidden piece of paper behind a broken picture frame. Oh, because now that it's broken, she'll be forced to pull the photo out and on the back is written something or there's something behind it. Yeah, yeah. I I love Natasha. I wish this was a picture of me and Natasha. (laughs) If it says I love Natasha on the back of that photo, (laughs) series over. I think Carrie plays grief beautifully. I Mm -hmm. love this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought Seema's reaction was really beautiful too i could i could have seen it going where she just kind of nurtured carrie in that Mm -hmm. moment but i also am glad that she stood up for herself yep yeah i really thought that was a great moment i really liked the moment i liked the moment a lot what i didn't like was that it came right after carrie put big in his box into his her shoe closet she put big on a shelf in the closet and, and was like, I promise you're not going to live here forever. Like, well, not live, but, you know, you're not going to be staying here forever. And then the next scene we get, she's heartbroken over the broken glass. And maybe that's just indicative of, like, grief and what happens. There's, like, the ups, the downs, the, like, what do you do with a box of ashes? Like, maybe you do put it in the closet. But it just was a very stark, eh, Big's going up in the closet, and then you broke the glass. Now, I'm glad that the glass moment happened, and it was beautiful. But it was just interesting that it came after the ashes going in her shoe closet, like as if Big was a belonging. Phil. Yes. You're reading that moment so wrong. Really? What did you? What do you think? Which moment? The the I mean, I'm with you on the glass moment, but the the shoe box. What do you think? Phil, what does Carrie treasure more than anything? Her shoes. Yes. Yes, her shoes and her closet space. That is like a mausoleum to moments and. and how the show was kind of going back to different moments in her fashion history, like with that white flower dress that she wore in the mm-hmm. um, first movie in 2008, the first scene. It, yeah, I think it meant, I, I think it was like a return to the Carrie before she became Mrs. Preston, which is ridiculous because she should be Mrs. Big. I hate the whole his real name thing. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but even like when she was putting the ashes in the Barney's, bag mm-hmm. barney's is no longer a new york thing anyways it was very like um no country for old men that poem by yates where it's like we don't belong here anymore like carrie doesn't belong in that apartment she doesn't does she belong in new york city like if this is a city where barney's is gone barney's is gone replaced yeah. by a halloween seasonal store well barney's is, is there barney's space is for gone carrie and Bradshaw? big is gone yeah that's a, that's an interesting and i i kind of just love what you just said about the word mausoleum I did not think of it this way. I did not uh, read the moment this way. But I do appreciate that. And I do think that perhaps that is what was going on. Just watching it on the surface, I felt weird about Big going on a shelf. 
But you're right, when we're dissecting the meaning of that shelf, and she does make a point to say to Seema earlier, you know, in the closet, like, nobody touches the shoes. So I get that. I get that there's this, like, reverence for that space and what those are and mean to her. Right. Thank you for listening to me, Phil. I'm gonna. I'm listening <laughs> to you so... I, I'm buying I'm buying this Muslim argument and I'm buying the Brooklyn argument. Okay. And I'll go to City Island. All right. I'm listening. So, okay. I, I just need to get you off the island for a little, Phil. Okay. <laughs> Come to Brooklyn. Come visit me. We'll run into SEMA. I, I can't wait. And I'll show you what Marlo and Sons is. Um, so speaking of, you know, mausoleums and loss and grief. Yeah. Are you okay, Phil? We're we're getting to the Stanford part of this discussion. Oh uh, yeah. It's sad that that was it. We only had him for three episodes. Um, I didn't know when it was going to fall in the series. So it was interesting when that scene happened. I didn't realize that was it. We got the end of Willie Garson uh, as an actor in this series. Um, you know, obviously, for everybody knows, he passed away in the middle of filming. What did you think of the way they dealt with his disappearance in that scene? So this is a hot take. Love it. I prefer it over a cold I take. I kind of have... I, or maybe it's a cold take because I don't really have a lot of thoughts about it. Like, I, I'm kind of just like, I like that they did a handwritten note. Um, like, because I do think Carrie has a problem with technology. Mm -hmm. um, he's in Tokyo. He manages a TikTok star. Um, I do think it's, I, I thought it, I thought there were some really funny moments from Anthony in this episode where he was talking about how, um, Stanford burned his address book. Um, but yeah, I don't really feel for this moment that much. What do you think? Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, I agree. I like the the um, the letter portion. But I do think the like, obviously, they were giving more time to Stanford is going away. We're not gonna see Stanford. And I think they were very clearly they were telling the audience this is the, you know, this is it. We're saying goodbye right now. But I did think that the weird thing was the last moment in the scene when there's like 10 seconds left. Anthony's like, and he asked me for a divorce. And you're like, wait, why didn't you leave yes, with that? Okay. How is that? What you, I we, forgot about that. I was like, what? He asked for a divorce in a letter. And that's the last memory we get of the character. I mean, that just felt like such an odd way to end that scene. That should have been the start of the scene. And then it was like, what do you mean? Well, he's also moving away. Like, I mean, I don't know. It just was very strange that that was thrown at the um, very end. Yeah, I don't get that far. Like, I just, I'm like, I forgot it happened. I, like, have amnesia. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I'm, like, in a fugue state, like, because I didn't want it. I was so confused. I didn't care for it. I think let's just move on. Willie Garson was an incredible actor. I think it's such a loss he seemed to be such dear friends with every single person in that cast and I think he played Stanford wonderfully and his comedic timing was amazing um so I'm sad to see him I'm sad he won't be in more episodes 100 percent. yeah I I we will miss uh Willie Garson and we will miss Stanford uh dearly so with this <laughs> this episode was so much about coffee and how people get their coffee in the morning um Carrie's mm -hmm. Mr. Coffee is overflowing um, mm -hmm. She couldn't. Get, she had to go back to her bodega guy. But it's also about real estate and New York real estate. I liked seeing LTW's incredible apartment. I felt like this was like back to that original, aspirational, bright, Technicolor Sex in the City that I remember from you know its original run. Fun fact, Phil. Yes. LTW's incredible apartment 
is the same apartment in succession. Wait, really? Yes. I, I'm watching Succession now. I'm in I'm in the middle of Succession right now. Uh, the last the most recent season. It is Rava's apartment, and I looked it up. It is, uh, it's the Woolworth building. It's in Tribeca, which makes so much sense because LTW is so much more downtown than she is uptown. And Mm -hmm. it's going for 23 million bones. What? Oh my gosh. I love that you looked this up. This is because my, and I'm glad you looked up that because I really wanted to know how much Carrie was going to get for her apartment. The whole thing around around real estate and selling. And what did we find? I I mean, it's probably a set, but. They show the awning for, mm-hmm. so it's uh, for their apartment, which is 1150 Fifth Avenue. And while I'm sure mm-hmm. that was a set, one of the apartments going for sale in the building called Carnegie Hill is uh, mm. a three bedroom, two bath. It's a co-op. I can't see Big living in a co-op, honestly. No, that doesn't, no, not at all. But No, I think he would just want to own a condo. I need to hear this. So that one is going for $2.998 million. And oh, is that all? That's all. And the common charges, Phil, are three thousand a month. So yeah, you better. Uh, you don't need oh to gosh. gift your doorman a Peloton if you know he's probably making good bank. <laughs> uh, three thousand a month. So every resident in that building is giving three thousand a month just to have some uh, have access to the elevator and to have a doorman take your packages. Hey, welcome to New York City. That's, that's worth incredible. it for packages to not have them stolen. Worth it. Oh my I mean, gosh, my packages used to get stolen all the time. I, all right, again, save it for our New York podcast. So I also... Well, I guess this kind of is our New York podcast. I want to talk about the Peloton. Uh-huh. The disappearing Peloton and then reappearing Peloton. I was... Now I'm on Team Peloton. I'm like, you guys, let's... You're beating a dead Peloton. Let the Peloton go. How much does the Peloton need to go through? Like, if I if I worked at Peloton, I'd be like, please, he already died after using it. Does Stop it have to, talking about Peloton. It has to, it's a horror show, how it shot the, like, racking from Carrie, and she's like, <gasps> the Peloton, and it's like, there? It's like, literally LOL funny. <laughs> It, it's haunting her. This Peloton is haunting her. When Seema said it and was like, you know what this place needs? A Peloton. I just thought, what? Did Peloton like throw more money at them to advertise again in an episode? This is like the 80th mention of Peloton. How is it? And of all things, Seema was like a Peloton. She doesn't say a spin bike. Like that's how high end Peloton is that even Seema would think this bathroom must have a Peloton. What? Enough with the Peloton. <laughs> the Peloton. Yes, let it rest. Let Peloton go. Live its life. Now I'm like, I'm team Peloton. Completely. Wow. What it's an, rude. A 180. At this point, <laughs> it's, it's rude. I think someone at Peloton fucked someone over in the writer's room at Sex and the City because <laughs> they're trying to bury this spin company. Sarah Jessica Parker just has like some horror story with Peloton and she was like, no, no, you guys. It's not a spin bike. It's a Peloton. And you will say Peloton every time. What if we find out SJP, because you know how they all have these little side businesses. What if we find out she's like a big investor in like the SoulCycle bike or something, you know? Oh, I would totally believe it. Oh, my gosh. The scandal. The scandal. Okay, we're going to look into this before next week. (laughs) Broken here on this podcast with rumors that she has stock in in SoulCycle. The Peloton is R.I.P., Dead. If I see it again, I'm going to file a complaint. Uh, Miranda style, Karen style. Um, but <laughs> what I loved about this episode, Phil, despite so much 
stupid trash happening, including the episode that I fast forwarded through on the second time watching with Nia Wallace and Miranda because it was painful to watch. But I loved the return of Carrie. I probably uh, know what you're talking about, but I want to hear what you have to say. Just so many clues about her shedding of this layer from the Mrs. Preston life, her returning to her, her, her apartment, the shitty Mr. Coffee maker compared to like the fancy espresso maker in the apartment she shared with Big. And most importantly, her hair and her styling because she looked incredible. She was glowing like she did in the original series. Like she really looked like a young Carrie Bradshaw with like her hair was um, more uh, curly and a little, you know, had that Carrie Bradshaw frizz to it that I loved versus like the really um, tamed waves. And then her style, when she exits her West Village apartment, which is, by the way, on Perry Street, right across the street from an incredible reflexology place that if you're in New York, you need to go there, Perry Street Reflexology. Um, when, oh <laughs> when she, when the, she- The very specific things that we are advertising for in New York City during this episode, I love it. We're starting an, our own Sex and the City bus tour and we're gonna take you to Reflexology. We're going to some like, what is it? Marlowe and Sons in, in Brooklyn. Yes. We're going to City Island, okay. It's just like a tertiary, like things that are kind of close to things that might be adjacent to <laughs> Sex in the City. I will lead that to her. Um, when she exits her apartment building and the music kind of gets a little upbeat, I I, I gasped, Phil. We uh, That outfit she was wearing, the tulle, which is like reminiscent of the tulle on the bus that went by in the original series, that like tulle skirt, and the like casual striped sweater and her hair and her bags. I was so happy to see Carrie Bradshaw again. Yeah, I, I now obviously know what you mean by the return of Carrie. And we, you're exactly right. When she when she exits that apartment and she's wearing the the tool skirt, that's that moment where you go, oh, she has actively decided to put Carrie back on. Yes. She then takes that outfit and goes to the bodega, you know, and has that scene. And I, there's this, there's this shady extra who like walks in, and I'm sure it was on purpose that they directed her this way, but who walks in while Carrie is at the bodega counter and she like gives Carrie's skirt like this like dirty look. Yes. Uh, and I kind of loved that because, and Carrie kind of just brushes it off, but I loved that it, it just felt very like Carrie's back in her own element and she, she doesn't care. I mean, the whole original series, she would wear clothes that no one else could possibly wear down the street mm -hmm. without getting like, a million looks. So I love that she was back to getting those looks again. I think that was a beautiful moment. So I kind of disagree with you about that moment, like where the lady walks in and mm -hmm. gives her shade. I think, I don't know, I don't feel totally one way or the other about it, but in the original series, Carrie would literally be wearing like a total crop top and a belt across her bare midriff and people wouldn't like give her the time of day. I think again, it shows that Carrie's in a city that, is changing and she doesn't quite Has belong. evolved since. Yeah, but I'm, I was so happy to see her back. And the best part, my favorite part was the whole cigarette storyline where Seema steps out of the car in yes. her Valentino's, puts out her cigarette, and then Carrie later is smoking out of the car with Seema. Yeah, and what is it? Anthony comes over and is like, you're smoking again? And it just, you're right. It seems like Ka Carrie is is back in that sense. She's She's... In, in a nice way. And we talk, so we talked about this last week and we had a little bit of disagreement where I was saying I felt like last week the the tone was shifting a little bit and it was shifting a little more towards the 
and I think intentionally so, the way things used to be, the way the sh- and I know we're not remaking that show, but the way that show felt in terms of tone, do you feel like that was maybe just a clunky step on this journey that has to happen from like getting rid of Big and that whole storyline and her, I don't know, uh, where she is and getting her back to her roots? Like, is that just part of getting the show back to its roots? Was this like clunkyish episode to get Carrie back to this? Or you just think that was a bad, bad episode in the middle? <laughs> I think it was bad. And something I really miss from the original series is Carrie's voiceover and her typing. Like, that was such a story engine of the original show. And I feel like it's being replaced by Carrie calling Miranda and those, like, really boring phone calls. Again, they're just, like, kind of being, like, slow about the exposition. Yeah, in episode three, they even go so far as Steve falls asleep while Miranda is on the phone getting exposition from Carrie. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's not good that we just watched the scene and then you said that scene was so boring that one of the characters fell asleep during it. Yeah, look, Steve, I, everyone I talked to is just like, what's up with Steve? <laughs> like, what's going on? And I, I have no words, Phil. Yeah, I, I, I think it's one of those things where it just is what it is. We're not supposed to think about Steve too much. I think we're actually probably supposed to find Steve as unsexy as humanly possible so that we feel okay about whatever Miranda, whatever her journey is about to become. Um, which I also didn't necessarily love the uh, when she's sitting down for the most awkward, you know, uh, dinner ever with her professor, when she's just like talking about the paths not taken and all and, you know, she's getting teary about how she didn't, you know, uh, you know, you have to you have to make a choice and you and, and she made a choice and she ended up with kids, but she'd love to be a judge and come home to an empty apartment and I kind of just thought, like, you just threw your whole storyline under the bus by saying you wish you hadn't chosen this. And I understand the concept of regret. And I understand that they're trying to give her some place to go with, like, this potential chase storyline or just whatever it's about to be. Um, but I really thought she kind of undercut her whole, like, <laughs> yes. I'm a woman who can have it all, like, storyline, which is a Miranda. And then just said, and I wish I didn't have any of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about law, but I don't know, like, many corporate lawyers who go on to become federal judges. I Like, I feel like you don't, like, that's not, that's not what happens like that. Like, I just didn't, we never heard Miranda talking about that ever. It would have been so much more interesting if the question, if Naya's questions revealed that Miranda had wanted more kids and that she couldn't. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Dara. And, um, you know, just like we always do, um, but because we can't get to everything and there's so much that happens in these episodes, we have a couple in Just Like That's to kind of put a little button on episode four of the show and episode three of our podcast. You all set for this, Dara? I'm all set. And Just Like That, Stanford breaks up with Anthony on the equivalent of a post-it note. That's a really good point, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't we talk about it? We talked about it. And just like that, Miranda keeps a bucket of marshmallows that Brady's girlfriend eats for breakfast. <laughs> if I never see Brady and her his girlfriend again, I'd be fine. Please cut <laughs> those on. little shits out from... I would regret having children, too, if Brady and his girlfriend <laughs> were up in my grill all the damn time. <laughs> 
Oh, and just like that, Charlotte has been reduced to booking Harry's colonoscopies. And now you know you can't have a dinner party the night before. And just like that, I've never felt more seen than when Naya accidentally made a reservation at the San Francisco location. <laughs> brilliant. It was a brilliant moment. And just like that, Seema is about to get a spinoff. I would watch it. And just like that, is Art Smith taking on more clients? I need help with my money that I don't have. <laughs> Was that the, the mother-in-law who's like, I only know one Art, and it's Art Smith. <laughs> so, what a so bitch. Good. Yeah. <laughs> who says that? And just like that. Who says that? That is our episode. I know. I know. She's terrible. Uh, Dara, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. Can't wait for our Brooklyn tour. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us all those reviews. You can follow us on Instagram at shows or at PureWow. You can follow me at KDara. And you can follow me at The Real Phil Mutz. And help us grow by sharing our podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week. And just like that, a Sex and the City reboot podcast is a PureWow and Gallery Media Group production.